This is episode 42 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gildner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my Extraordinary Women friends. This week's Extraordinary Women Radio interview with Heidi Ganahl, the founder of Camp Bow Wow, is so good. Heidi has a passion for keeping the American dream alive and well, and that's because she's been living it. And it wasn't all a simple and easy path to get there. Heidi has faced extraordinary adversity in her life, beginning with the loss of her husband at the age of 27 to losing a million-dollar insurance settlement, her entrepreneurial spirit helped her pick herself up and build a hundred-million-dollar brand in the pet and franchise industry, Camp Bow Wow. In fact, she's well-known for her TED Talk called The Art of the Comeback, where she shares this powerful comeback story. Today, she shares this story and this journey that she took and the lessons she learned along the way. In fact, one of the things that struck me in this interview was the most timely wisdom that I'd heard all week, if not all year. She shared, be the best you can be at what you're doing at the time and forgive yourself for not being the best at everything all the time. You've got to let go of that. You have no idea what a timely message that was for me last week on the day that we had this interview. Camp Bow Wow was named to the to the Inc. 500, 5,000 fastest growing company list five years in a row. Heidi has been named one of Fortune Magazine's 10 most promising entrepreneurs and Parade Magazine named her one of the top women entrepreneurs in the country. And she's not done yet. She's about to launch her next entrepreneurial venture, The She Factor, and shares more about this in the interview. You don't want to miss this one. Let's meet Heidi Ganahl. Well, welcome, Heidi. I am so thrilled to have you on Extraordinary Women Radio today. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. And I, I got to hear your story at the inaugural Colorado Women's Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Day back in December. And what an amazing day that was, wasn't it? Isn't Colorado an exciting place to be right now in the world of entrepreneur land? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun and it was so inspiring and uplifting. Um, especially I'm, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but I'm starting a new venture. And so I'm kind of back in that startup mindset and to be in a room full of women that love talking about that and thinking about that was awesome. <laughs> uh, I agree. I just, I came out of that room just so stoked and so excited about it's It's just, I think Colorado's just got an interesting vibe right now in, in, in that space. So I'm excited to see where it keeps going and, you know, having the governor support and that sort of thing. I think it's just, it's super exciting. Well, so, as a, a but, University of Colorado Regent too, at CU, we are doing all kinds of cool stuff around women's entrepreneurship and regular entrepreneurship too, but it's a very exciting time on the college scene for that too and getting young people excited about it. Well, you know, it's really funny because this morning I was down at the CU Denver, um, the business building, and um, I, I was meeting after me after I met, I interviewed Dorothy Harrell a few weeks ago. Oh, it's and, fantastic. Oh, I know. It's totally fantastic. And so I got invited to go down there and do a tour. And that was exactly, the, there was a, a Jake Jab Center, and it's just like so much going on in the world of 
there around entrepreneurs. So that's exciting. Yes, there's InWorks, which is a very cool lab where they're doing 3D printing and all kinds of very high-tech entrepreneurial activities. And then at CU Boulder, they have the Alice Institute, which is kind of the same thing. And they have New Venture Startup Week, and just the list goes on and on. Yes, yes. So I was so touched by your story, your perseverance, your wisdom. And I know you had every woman in the room that day, back in December, on the edge of their seat with your stories. So let's start with some of your stories. That day you spoke about the art of the comeback. Can you share some of your personal stories of comeback with our listeners? Yes, I've had quite an adventurous life and one that didn't start out that way. I, you know, had a a kind of the all-American kid raised in a family without a lot of money, but lots of love and support and uh, encouraged to do what I could with whatever little money we had to get through college and have the career I wanted to. And I did that and I met a great guy and got married um, at about the age of 25. And uh, we were both in um, kind of an entrepreneurial mindset, but I was in pharmaceutical sales and he was just finishing up school. And we came up with the idea for this doggy day camp, which at that time was like, what? People were nuts. (laughs) But uh, we wrote the business plan. And for his 25th birthday, he was a little bit younger than me. um, Our family gave him a gift to go up in a stunt plane and the plane ended up crashing and killing both the pilot, who was a family friend, and Bayan, my husband. Mm. And that obviously changed my life dramatically at that point. Right. Absolutely. Everything changed in a big sort of a way. Yes. But, you know, I think that um, looking back, it, it shifted things for me in that I really grew to realize how precious life was and that... I love the saying, carpe diem, seize the day. And Mm -hmm. I think that became my motto after that. And I went through some rough times right after the crash and kind of finding my footing and a quick remarriage and quick divorce. But I got Tori, my oldest daughter, out of it. And five years later, I'm a single mom and I have very little of the settlement left from a custody battle over the the relationship there. And um, my brother said, let's start Camp Bow Wow. Let's get it going after all these years. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a crazy idea, but we did it and it changed everything for me. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just opened up your world into a whole new, did you, did you have any idea where this would have gone from the very beginning? <laughs> no, I <sure> didn't. <laughs> I thought maybe we'd have four or five locations in Colorado and that would be awesome. And, you know, I'd be very happy with that. Right. And now, now it's a hundred million dollar brand with 200 franchises and, you know, just a very prospering business. And what did you love most about founding and growing Camp Bow Wow? Ah, oh, just um, the creativity around starting a business and, and, you know, creating a brand and doing something that you love so much with the dogs and helping franchisees realize their dreams. That's what I came to find I really loved and was kind of the thread around the story of the art of the comeback is, you you know, to come back, give back. And I realized that much later in the game, but by giving back to the dogs and then by giving back to franchisees and helping them realize their business, it, it healed me in a lot of ways. And it gave me an incredible funnel for all my creative kind of entrepreneurial mindset. And uh, I just had a ball building the brand. I mean, obviously there were lots of ups and downs and things I shouldn't have done that I did. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it was a a wonderful ride. 
So the come back, give back, and that's, um, was that part of what helped you heal through that? You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And I think uh, looking, I, I tell the little story about, um, you know, Tori, my teenager was in high school and I think I had Holly, my eight year old, and we were at a doctor's appointment and Dr. Bucknam who wrote baby wise is our pediatrician. And I said, wow, these high schoolers are just struggling so much. There's so much pain and angst, even more so than there used to be. Like, what advice do you give parents that are, have kids that are going through a tough time? And he said, well, the best advice I can give them is to turn their kids outward. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, focus them on the outside world, get them giving back or volunteering or working with a charity so that they realize they're part of a much bigger thing. And that gives them purpose and helps them find their place in the world. And as I started to look at my life, I realized that's exactly how I'd come back from the tragedies Mm -hmm. that I'd experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, was to focus outward on helping other people, and it's it's just incredibly fulfilling, and it 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 heals your heart. Oh, absolutely! And and the the love of animals certainly had to play a part in in the healing, I would think. Oh yes, I mean I think um, one of the defining moments for me was you know a few weeks after the crash and I just couldn't get out of bed and my two dogs were just staring at me from the foot of the bed <laughs> and dropping their tennis ball like hello you know we we still want to go out and play and I remember thinking in my head just okay you got to get up and play ball and that kind of became my mantra after that my dogs you know really turned things around for me at that point. Absolutely. And, you know, what, so I hear different thoughts on the, um, whether, how much passion should play into an entrepreneur's choices. Um, how did passion play into yours? Oh, it's been huge. Every project I've done, every company I've started, my nonprofit, if you don't absolutely love what you're doing and and jump out of bed every day to to get to work on whatever you're doing or stay up till the wee hours doing what you're doing then it's not worth doing in my estimate i think that it's the difference between being a huge success and getting by is just being totally committed to your vision and your passion around what you're doing with your life Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, it's, it's so funny because I've heard recently, you know, people saying, oh, passion isn't going to, you know, the, the profit's not going to come behind the passion. And I, I so disagree with that. I, I, I believe that we spend too much of our time doing what, you know, we're doing. And if, if we don't love what we're doing, we better keep digging. We better keep going, you know, looking deeper within to, to figure out what that passion is and how do we really align to that? Because that's, there's so much spark in life from that. Well, I get asked that question a lot, um, especially when I'm talking to college kids as a regent. Um, you know, how do I find my passion? Or I, I'm just, I don't have one yet, or I don't quite know what it is. And what I tell them is just focus on things that you love doing and things you love being around, whether it's a sport or an activity or, you know, a topic. Um, and just try things, like open as many doors as you can. And if a door doesn't open easily, that's probably a good sign that that's not the right door. But at the end of the day, um, it's all, it, it should be playful. It should be fun, like a grand experiment to find out um, what your passion is. But also, I think the key part that misses for some people is you can't just be passionate about something. You have to find a solution to a problem. 
And that's one of the keys to entrepreneurship or successful entrepreneurship is you're solving a problem for society, for someone else, for, you know, the animals, for the humans that own the animals, whatever. But I think that um, sometimes people forget that it's that simple. And I think the final thing is we have to stop apologizing, apologizing in society for capitalism and free markets and all these amazing things that have brought us to the longest timelines of living in history for everyone on the planet and, you know, the lowest levels of poverty, the highest levels of literacy. Um, we've gotten in this funk where, you know, we think everyone's a bad, big, bad business owner and nothing could be further than the truth. I mean, obviously there's people that do wrong things, but that's in every every industry, every, you know, part of society. But I think we need to own it and just fall back in love with what made America such an incredibly uh, cool place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, um, like you, I, I weave animals into some of my work where I do retreats. So I do equine guided or equine assisted retreats with my horses. And yeah, it was, it was the horses actually that helped me actually figure out that I was leaving the corporate world and I go in a whole different direction and the horses get to help my clients now. And so that's so, you know, when we find these pieces that just light us up and the doors keep opening for us into new spaces, it can be so powerful. So, so powerful. I agree. So let's talk about fear. And, and I'm sure as you're starting Camp Bow Wow, um, and you started this Camp Bow Wow back in, was it 2002 or 2000? 2000. 2000. Okay. So you started it back in 2000. And um, as you were getting those initial first seeds of, the, of, of starting Camp Bow Wow, and then five years later, you decided you're going to launch a franchise model. And what I'm really curious about, which is which one of those was more scary? Which one was, where did fear show up bigger in that initial seeds and and going out and launching or deciding to launch your business that was already working into a franchise model? Oh, probably. I mean, what's different about Camp Bawa is I started a couple other companies before that. I didn't really have any fear around it. I thought, you know, people were saying it's silly and, you know, it's not going to work. I didn't have any idea how big it could be, but I had, I had every confidence that it would work however it was supposed to work. And uh, I think that's the difference too, in really having um, a project that you feel absolutely 100% confident about and getting as much information put together, whether it's in a business plan or research done so that you feel completely confident in what you're doing. Um, And I think that parlays a lot of the fear but I also have this motto, like, feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, what's the alternative to right. regret? Right. And, and regret is a much harder thing to deal with than fear and taking it head on. Yeah, I love that motto. It's, you know, step into it anyway, because that's where, that's where the, the newness and the excitement, the excitement that comes up for us and the, the big breakthroughs happen when we do step into it anyway. That's right. That's right. And we're going to fail a lot. That's good. That's okay. It's going to happen. (laughs) And if you just kind of brush it off and realize, all right, that was just a little stepping stone on the, on the uh, roller coaster ride to success, or that was the down. Now I'm ready for the up. Then it makes it a little easier to bear and easier to move past. Yes. And we do fail, right? I mean, I think that's, it's, it's such a hard topic that so many people want to just sweep under the rug and it's hard to get raw and vulnerable about fear. I know it's even in my own life, it's, it's, 
there's times where I'm like, oh, do I really want to share that? Um, but the reality is that we all fa- fail, right? And um, how do we, how do you, or what have you learned from your, your greatest failure? Uh, I think it's mostly to trust my gut and my intuition about mm-hmm. what's right and wrong or what should happen around my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and just stay very, very true to what you believe and what feels good and like makes you feel connected to what you're doing. Did you always have that trust in your gut and in your intuition? No, yeah. no. I mean, it certainly developed over the years and I made so many decisions looking back that I knew didn't feel right, but I made them anyway mm-hmm. based on consultant's advice or reading a book or, you know, just this is the way it's supposed to go. And I have so much more confidence now in my own ability to make the right decisions for me and my company, my brand, my family, whatever it is. Yeah, that's kind of that inside out brand. That's that's one of, one of the things I love to help my clients with right now that I'm really focused in on is how do you really go inside? How do you trust your gut? How do you listen to what's right for your business? And it can be so powerful when you do that. And I, I remember back in my old corporate days, I actually had someone... Um, a boss look at me one day and say, you know, your intuition does not really matter. It's all about the facts. And I, and I kind of, I walked away from (laughs) that going, wow, that's interesting. And maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't be trusting that, that intuition. I mean, that was my initial gut reaction at that moment, right? It was like, should I be really trusting my gut, you know, my intuition here? And, you know, so many years later, I did learn it is the, the only way to really tune in and hear that inner wisdom that we have if we just make space to hear it. Well, and I kid around with people today. I'm like, in a world of fake news, the only one you can really trust is yourself to research <laughs> and, and identify what's true or not. Right. We all have a different definition of truth, but at the end of the day, you know, after you've gotten beat up a little bit by life, and this is the difference between young entrepreneurs and older entrepreneurs is you start to gain that confidence and you get a a little bit of a kick in your step because you know that, you know, people are going to try and pull you down or get in your way or stop you or tell you you're wrong. And you just take it with a grain of salt and move on. Whereas when I was younger, I couldn't do that. Right. right. I was always like, oh my gosh, but that, that consultant that's been doing this for 20 years said I should be doing this. Well, I was in a brand new industry, you know, uh, doggy daycare. And um, I was one of the only women founders in franchising. And so there were all these firsts about what I did that I didn't necessarily have um, a lot of people with, you know, data or actual information proving that you should do something a certain way. So maybe Mm -hmm. that helped me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that was something, and I think that's where I got so passionate about doing this, this branding and this marketing and building your business from the inside out, because there was even just a few years ago where I started to listen to the expert of this is how I should be doing something. Right. And I kept adjusting my brand, kept adjusting how I was doing my marketing. Um, and you know, I was, I had a lot of years of marketing and branding experience. That's what I did in my corporate space, but I kept listening and not listening to this other, the other experts and making these shifts. And there was something that took me 
totally off track on my business. And I had to really reel it back in and come back to that knowing of, okay, wait a minute, what am I supposed to be doing in this brand? What, what do I want to stand for? What is my purpose? And, and it was from that space that that readjustment took place and I, and that took me back onto track. So it's, you know, even, you know, yes, the 20 year olds can be the ones that I love the the thought of, let's tell the 20 year olds that, um, yes, trust your intuition and you don't always have to follow all the expertise advice. But I'll say as a 55 year old, I'm still learning that lesson on a regular basis. (laughs) We all are. We all are. It's okay. I know. Exactly. Exactly. So you are working on a new project right now called the She Factor. Is that correct? Yes. And it's very exciting. Women in dreams. So tell us what the She Factor is. It came from, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's good. So Cami, it came from working with my daughter, my 22 year old daughter, Mm -hmm. who was, um, trying to figure out what she wanted to do with her life, her last couple of years of college. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I started looking around for tools and resources and different things she could sign up for or do. And there wasn't a lot. And um, so I started to think about the things that had helped me figure out kind of where my place was um, in my kind of creating my life. And there was a certain assessment tool that I used that was really effective. And then there was a consultant who I worked with who taught me how to use games in my life to create goals and kind of create personal accountability around those. And then there were mentors that helped me. And so I put together a package, like a platform that has a digital component, like an app, and then it has a local chapter component where the girls will get together with other young women, and then a mentor component. Mm-hmm. And of course, the social media part, it's called the she factor. And the she factor is actually the number that comes out, the score that you give yourself for how well you're holding yourself accountable to the authentic, inspired, joyful life that you want. And it's not just about work. It's about family and fitness and food and you know, your relationships, but also your work too. And find, figuring out how to find, you know, the exact things that you want to focus on so that it's fun and playful and um, meaningful. Mm, I like that. And is it, um, so it's an app that walks people through some tools. Um, Mm -hmm. Does it match up mentors as well? Yes. So you do the assessment and it, it, creates almost like a, an avatar archetype for you just so that you can kind of coordinate with other people or know how you fit into a certain workplace. It might say, you know, with your personality style, you'd be better working in a gig economy, doing lots of part-time work, or you'd be better off in an eight to five corporate position. And here are some, you know, kind of mentors you might look for. And then we have mentors who have the same types of archetypes and we match you with those. And then you create the games with your mentor and they um, kind of help you track the progress and make sure that you're on track and make any adjustments that you need. Oh, this is so cool because I've actually in the last year talked about there needs to be an app out there that pairs up mentors and it gives them the tools to move through this. So it's really exciting that you're doing this. I sit on the board of the Women's Foundation and it was, I I was sitting with, um, some, some friends of mine, I was like, wouldn't this be the coolest thing? And here you are, you're developing it. So I really look forward to following <laughs> this. 
Thanks, Kami. We're doing a beta test right now. So we're going to test in five smaller markets um, uh, the local chapter component with the mentoring and the digital part of it to make sure we get it all right before we launch um, early next spring. And there will also be a book that I'm working on where I'm interviewing lots of really cool women that have very inspirational stories and can speak about how they created an authentic, really joyful life that they want to. So it'll be the book, the app, and the local chapters that all go together, including the mentoring. Oh, that's really, really exciting. Well, congratulations on this next venture. Thank you. Thank you. It's so fun to be creating again in an entrepreneurial space. And I love being a University of Colorado regent, uh, but it's been tough to transition from being an entrepreneur to working in a $4 billion bureaucracy. (laughs) So this gives me my little outlet so I don't, you know, I don't get in too much trouble at CU with too many ideas and new shiny objects for them to follow. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. So you've been named... Fortune Magazine's 10 Most Promising Entrepreneurs, and Parade Magazine named you one of the top women entrepreneurs in the country. What do you think the biggest opportunities are for women entrepreneurs right now? Oh my goodness, it's such a cool time to be in this space. Um, We're getting so much more respect and attention, and there's listening about what the issues are and the problems are. Um, we're communicating a lot more with each other and supporting each other in a way that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what will come from the Me Too movement and a lot of the things that are going on right now. But what I do know is that I personally see coming from it is just more authentic conversation and being real with each other about what it's like and what you face and what the true obstacles are and supporting each other and how you deal with that, right. um, which is fantastic. It really hasn't been that robust, um, you know, to, to dealing with some of those issues in a long time. Yeah. And you know what, the, the question I have for you really ties around the unique gifts that we as women have as leaders, you know, leaders as within corporations, leaders with as entrepreneurs, leaders in our world. What do you think's unique about women? What, you know, what is important right now about what women are bringing into the world from a leadership perspective? Well, I'll tell you, um, after I had a really horrible incident with my older daughter in her senior high school and she was sexually assaulted and it caused me to start, um, a nonprofit called Moms Fight Back. Okay. And the key, key, the crux of it was that as a mom of a daughter that had gone through that, I didn't have anywhere to go to get support or know how to help her through it. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, why don't you start a group where moms can talk about really tough stuff instead of like the fluffy recipe sharing kind of sites. And there was a saying, it was the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And that sticks with me. I've switched mom site back up a little bit. Um, it's, it's now an incubator for social entrepreneurs called the fight back foundation. But that saying has stuck with me, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And what I found is that no one, I love dads and I love, I have some incredible men in my life, my husband, my dad, my grandparents were, but the buck stops with moms in a lot of ways. And I think that once you have a child, you just get how important it is to change the world and to keep it, you know, uh, alive and well and happy and prosperous and and you just hurt for every child, every person hurting on the planet, almost you know physically. And I think that shifts your your way of seeing things a little bit. Right. It's that. I hope mom, that makes sense. It totally does. It's that mama bear in us just kind of riles up and says, "Oh hell no! You're, we're, we're, I'm stepping up here yes. to make this change." Right. Yep. 
Yeah, I think it's, and I, I think, think, I think that women are, you know, we are change makers. We, when we get riled up about something, it's like, you know, we are going to go out, we are going to go do what needs to be done to make the change. That's right. And it it is, it's that difference of being a doer versus a uh, contemplator, <laughs> you know, oh, this is a really horrible thing that's happening. It's like the difference between complaining on Facebook or going out and starting a nonprofit or a company that really solves a tough social issue and or defending your child or really going to bat instead of just complaining about it behind the scenes. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a woman right now. That's for sure. Yes, I think it is too. And I'm, um, you know, a lot of folks are, they give me a little bit of a hard time. Like, why are you so involved in so many things right now? And I'm like, because it's such an important time in history and we all have to raise our hands and do whatever it takes to protect our children's future, to protect our country, to protect um, the way of life we have here and to share that way of life with others around the world. And it's never been more important than I think it is right now. So we've all got a ton of work to do. And if we all don't raise our hands, then who's going to? And I've been very blessed. I've been blessed to live the American dream. And I've been, you know, blessed to be able to sell my company and have the freedom to do some things, you know, where um, making a living isn't, you know, the top priority. And uh, it's, it's just, it's the art of the comeback. It fills your heart and it makes life more meaningful when you can do something to make the world a better place. What's the legacy, Heidi, that you want people to know you for? Oh, goodness. That's a good question. Um, I love the saying, I love the book, The Four Agreements, and Mm -hmm. there's one of them is, my word is impeccable. Mm -hmm. And I just, several people in my life have taught me that your word is impeccable and you treat others as you would want to be treated. And uh, I think that's one of my, you know, guiding principles. And so that would be important to me just to know that people knew that if I said I was going to do something, I did it. And that I just care deeply about um, other human beings, especially children. And of course, canines and my country too. I just am so passionate about the the way I was able to start a business and do something that I absolutely loved doggy daycare and make a living and sell my company that couldn't have happened in any other country on the planet. Right. Right. We're very blessed. And the busyness of, you know, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, giving back in the way that you do, um, you know, you've got, you're, uh, you have four kids, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you have a, a, a busy life in your world right now. So what inspires you to push through the busyness of life and work when it starts to just feel overwhelming? Well, some days it is overwhelming. Like today, I think I told you my little one has the flu, my five, one of my five-year-old twins. And so I haven't left his side because, um, you know, you're just worried sick about them. But yeah. um at the same time, you know, there's a time and place to really kick it into gear as a mom, and there's a time and place to really kick it into gear as, you know, a philanthropist or a CEO or a founder, and you just try and be the best you can be at what you're doing at the time, and forgive yourself for not being, you know, the best at everything all the time, and you got to let go of that, yes. and that's part of what the uh, the She Factor app is going to do. It's going to teach you that you only have a certain number of points to play in the game, and you can't be a 10 at everything, so you have to figure out how you want to divvy it up, whether it's on a weekly basis, a daily basis, quarterly, whatever. 
Mm, I like that. And it's actually really a pertinent message for me right now. So I, <clears throat> I appreciate that. Really <laughs> do. Do, you, do you think there's such thing as balance? Is that, you know, in, in the lives of, of women and women entrepreneurs, women business owners, women business, you know, who are in, in corporations, do you think there's balance? I don't know. Sometimes I do, but most days I'm like, this is crazy. Every day is an adventure and you get up and you do your marathon and you fall into bed at night. And uh, one of my friends just told me a saying that was great. It's, it's And I'll, I'll probably mess it up because she just told it to me a couple of days, but you do the best you can do until you realize you're not doing the best you can do. And then you just do better. And it's just that simple some days. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So the final question I always close these interviews with is, what three pearls of wisdom can you leave with our audience today? I would say be very forgiving of yourself and even use a lot of humor. Just be silly and playful and understand that life is messy and own it and just, you know, have that attitude that every day is going to be kind of a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. Mm. And then the golden rule, just treat others as you would want to be treated, whether it's the person across the street or the person politically on Facebook or whoever, just, you know, have compassion and try and put yourself in their place. And then finally, um, just finding what you truly love to do every day and spending time doing that, whether it's five minutes a day or five hours a day, and uh, just finding your passions, just little itty bitty passions if it takes that, but um, doing something you love. Oh, that's great. That's, those are great. Thank you so much. So um, where can people learn more about your work with the She Factor? So um, we, I'm just teasing it on my social media right now and talking a little bit about it. Um, it's at Heidi Ganahl on Twitter, at Heidi Ganahl on Instagram and Facebook too. And I have a public profile page on Facebook. I think that one's at H Ganahl. And um, then also I have a website, HeidiGanahl.com, that you can go and connect to any of those. And we'll be launching the She Factor uh, project over the next probably six months or so. so. But I'll be talking about it on my social media and my website. Oh, that's exciting. I, I look forward to following that and seeing how that unfolds because I think it's a really needed kind of tool that could be really helpful in a lot of different ways. In fact, I've even got some ideas. I was like, I need to share with you some of those ideas. So we'll have to follow I would love that. I'll send you the little deck and you can go through it and say, oh, this is not going to work. This will work. I'd love that. I'm sure it's awesome. Well, Heidi, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure getting to hear your stories and um, hear your passion for what you do and what you're putting out into the world. And I look forward to watching all this unfold for you. Well, thank you so much for including me. I love what you're doing. And I just, uh, I wish you all the best. I know you're going to do fantastic and your community is going to continue to grow and flourish because you're doing all the right things. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGilman.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. 
In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.